Hi. Oh, you've got Christmas tree already. I don't have one yet. It's a Wednesday afternoon, right before the Christmas holiday. I'm on a call with legendary songwriter Shelly Pikin. Naturally, we came up with the song first. So I got it when I moved uh, when I moved to Seattle from the Midwest to work on music, and I I just really you know you don't know a lot of people in the first place you're at in that particular year. I really didn't know anyone. Um, it was like I got that first boyfriend, and then he was a creepo, and then all of a sudden I had no boyfriend, which was great, but I had nobody I knew. So me and the Christmas tree and a bottle of wine were really great. <laughs> it was a great Christmas song. <laughs> When you were mine, it's just me, but now it's me and the Christmas tree and a bottle of wine. <laughs> da, 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 da. When you were mine, now it's me and the me and the tree and a bottle of wine. That's kind of cool. Pikin is a Grammy-nominated songwriter with multiple number one hits and dozens of platinum credits to her name, including this track, Almost Doesn't Count, by Brandy. Last year, she released her first book, Confessions of a Serial Songwriter, chronicling her long career. You'll hear pieces of the book throughout the interview. Shelley is in a league of songwriters who have watched the landscape of the music industry quickly change with the rise of streaming music, and they are doing something about it. We're not getting any royalties from digital play. All of the profits that Spotify, for example, pays out to the stakeholders, 95% of that goes to the record labels. 5% goes to the songwriter and their publisher. And so we've been trying to get the government to agree to have a look at this archaic regulation. It's going to be an interesting year in <laughs> many ways. That's on this week's episode of Gritty Birds. This is Gritty Birds, an X-Ray FM radio show and podcast all about the grit behind successful artists and creatives. 107.1, 91.1 Portland, Oregon. And you can find me on all major podcast networks. My name is Jenny Wren Stotrup. Shelley Pikin got her start in New York as a songwriter after college. She started a band, but it wasn't long before she found her niche, writing songs for others. Word had it that record labels solicited material from independent songwriters. Why couldn't it be from one of us? Maybe something from Sheena Easton, Cheap Trick, Olita Adams, or Laura Branigan? She says in her book, Confessions of a Serial Songwriter. When I lived alone in New York City and 24-7 was mine. Mm -hmm. And I did whatever I wanted, when I wanted. It was way better for creativity. You just could indulge yourself without any guilt or any excuses. Pikin began playing in clubs and writing with other songwriters. She found moderate success before getting married and moving to Long Island. But the draw of songwriting in the city was irresistible. She found her first break after Taylor Dane picked up her song, Carry Your Heart, and returned to her passion in the city. Dane recorded it on her first record, which sold over 3 million records in 87. Pikin made over $200,000 for the track. Not long after, Pikin hit another big break. After yet another gig at CBGB's, a Lower East Side rock club, with no offer to be the next Carly, or Carol, or Joni, Hit and Run Music, a small boutique publishing company, invited me to be a songwriter on their roster. Joey Gamerick, their creative rep, had come to see me play. 
He said Hit and Run would help me get my songs to recording artists, keep me up to date on who was looking for material, arrange collaborations, she says. Pikin joined their small roster of songwriters and began a long and storied career as a serial songwriter. That was Carry Your Heart by Taylor Dane. In 1987, Shelley Pikin made $200,000 from her first big songwriting credit. But today, that reality has changed. I just did something that's a little bit scary. Um, I woke up about six months ago, and I had this title in my head called A Day Without Music. And I woke up in the morning, and I started writing the song. And then I couldn't stop. And I was in my, I was still in my pajamas for dinner. You know, my daughter's gone to school. So now all of my creative indulgences are, have returned to me. I could do anything I want whenever I want to, because I don't have to pick her up or make dinner. And it's, I miss her dearly. And she's coming home Sunday and I can't wait. But I started writing the song all day and I decided that, um, a couple of weeks ago, I decided, you know what, I'm going to make like a little video of me singing the song and then I'm going to put it out at Christmas and say like, dear Santa, this is what the songwriters want. Can you imagine if we woke up one day and we didn't have any music? Pikin belongs to an advocacy group working to make changes in outdated laws that are creating issues for songwriters with the rise of streaming music. So Sona, the Songwriters of North America, um, is a group that... My friend Michelle Lewis, who heads it up, and Kay Hanley, who's in the group Letters to Cleo, and about 15 others are in our immediate circle, although we've got like 100 or 200 members now, but there's about 15 of us who come to weekly meetings. We've been getting together for about a year and a half, and originally we got together and we were saying, what's going on with our statements? We're not getting any royalties from digital The consumption of stream music is generating massive amounts of revenue. The problem is almost all of it is winding up in someone else's bank account, she says in her book. Like on a million digital streams, we were getting like $100 or something. It was very bad. And so we were getting together sort of venting and having bagels and coffee and and really educating ourselves. We'd have salons every week where somebody from a PRO or a publishing company or a Spotify would come talk to us and we listened and we learned what was going on and why we weren't seeing any income. And the problem is what's going to happen. Well, if you, if you have a big hit now and it gets played on the radio, you can make some money, but radio is going away it's all going to be streaming and songwriters aren't getting, aren't getting a fair distribution of that income. It all comes down to laws written all the way back in the 1940s. All of the profits that Spotify, for example, pays out to the stakeholders, let's say they pay out 70% of all the income they make 
to the stakeholders, 70% of their profits, 95% of that goes to the record labels because record labels don't have any regulation. 5% goes to the songwriter and their publisher because we are government regulated. And so we've been trying to get the government to agree to have a look at this archaic regulation that was put into place 70 years ago before anybody knew that there was going to be a digital universe. Recognizing a major issue, the group reached out to the DOJ for help. Finally, about four months ago, they came out and said, no, we're not going to give you relief. And we're going to give you more regulation. And we were like, why would they do that? The people at the DOJ that were making the rules, the the main woman, used to work for Google. And Google benefits financially whenever creators don't because they want licenses for nothing or licenses for really low rates. And the more we get, the less they're going to get. And so they had great influence over the DOJ to have the DOJ rule not in our favor. Sona decided to take matters into their own hands. And so our little group said, enough is enough. There are all these coalitions all over the country that have been fighting this for years. No one's getting anywhere. They're being far too polite. Let's see if we can get... um, a lawyer, a firm, who will represent us. I mean, we can't afford the millions of dollars it would cost. And we found a firm that thought we had a great case. And um, a few months ago, we sued the Department of Justice. And we, you know, didn't sleep that night. We were like, oh my God, what are we doing? The lawsuit was filed in September of 2016 and quickly picked up headlines across the U.S., It's one piece of a changing world for songwriters she has noted over the last several years. And I think so many artists are chasing what they think their label wants them to write or what needs to be on the radio or they're chasing whoever had the last big hit, that that Taylor Swift thing. That, And I mean, I would rather not think about that. I would I would rather write with seasoned songwriters and get those songs to artists. I don't love being in the room with someone making a record only because they're usually not as good of a writer as they think they are. A lot of times they just want to put their name on the song. And so I'll come in there with an idea that I think is great. And when I walk out, it's sort of diluted. Not all the time. Sometimes you get lucky and you're with somebody who actually is a really great writer and a recording artist. You're like, oh, my God, look what they did to myself. It's way better. But I love to relax with somebody who's just like a really great seasoned writer. It's just hard to do that because people making records want their name to be on the song. Um. After getting signed with Hit and Run, Pykin began writing songs for the likes of Celine Dion and Regina Bell. She got remarried, this time to a fellow writer, and relocated to the West Coast. A decade since her first song on Taylor Dane's album, nothing had hit big. 
Piken refers to the process of a great writing session as song sex, and while some had been great, her best was just about to come when she met Meredith Brooks. With measured expectations, I went to see Meredith's showcase at the Mint, only to find this chick could rock, and pipes? She had those too. I could tell she was not going to take no for an answer. Some people might call that obnoxious. I call it a necessary ingredient for getting what one wants. For me, bitch was as much about me as it was about Meredith. And it was the two of us in a room together, and she was a good writer, and it was just line, 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 line. And it was just magical. We both wanted to say the same thing, and it happened. So good to me, I know, but I can't change. Tried to tell you, but you look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath. Innocent and sweet. Yesterday I cried. You must have been relieved to see the softer side. I can understand how you'd be so confused. I don't envy you. I'm a little bit of everything I'll roll into one I'm a bitch, I'm a lover I'm a child, I'm a mother I'm a sinner, I'm a saint I do not feel ashamed I'm your hell, I'm your dream I'm nothing in between You know you wouldn't want it any other way Shelly considers bitch to be her perfect storm a song that felt both personally and professionally connecting in a way she doesn't necessarily know she will recreate again. Changed my life and gave me more choices. Um, it gotten me nominated for a Grammy. There's just so many reasons that that song is one of my favorites. And it's funny because when people call me now and say, um, write us an anthem, I can't. Because I didn't sit down those, th those days and say, here's my plan. I'm gonna write an anthem. They just happened. Bitch rose in the charts, flirting with number one on the Hot 100, a slot behind Puff Daddy's I'll Be Missing You. The allure of a number one taunted Pikin and came soon after with the collaboration of a rising young mouseketeer named Christina Aguilera. But on the same day that What a Girl Once hit number one, Hit and Run was sold. Pikin became one of a small team of writers to one of hundreds. At the same time, Napster came out, and access to music online became more readily available for the masses than ever before. It became harder to easily find a placement for a song. Now you have to write a song and find the perfect place to play it. And sometimes it's for the artist and sometimes it's for the manager and sometimes it's for the A&R. And you have to hope that somebody's gonna wanna do it. It's not like it used yeah. to be. I could go to Clive Davis a long time ago and say, here are my three of my new songs. And he'd say, I don't like these two, but this one I like and I'm gonna work it. Um, now it's, it's, you know, I had a, a meeting with someone tomorrow that just got rescheduled for the fifth time because they're not really out there looking 
for outside songs, the artists are really writing more by themselves. Um, so ideally, yes, I would write something that I love and then I would send it to the artist or a label and hope that um, it connects with somebody somehow and they say, I don't have anything lo like that song. I love what that song is saying and I need to sing it. Yeah. And then, you know, everything, all the stars have to collide. Um, and sometimes I write with, you know, I've written with Miley Cyrus. I've written with Jesse J. Um, I'll get in a room with somebody and, and I, you just do it any way you can. And sometimes I just write all by myself and that song may never get recorded and something that I'm glad I wrote because I felt it. Until recently, writers would come by to work with me and not make a big deal about them because it wasn't unusual to see gold and platinum records. They might even have had some of their own. However, lately there's a younger crop of writers coming onto the scene and into my house who are in awe of my plaques. Why? Because albums aren't selling like they used to, she says in her book. These younger writers are stepping into a different set of rules than Pike inexperienced. Songwriter camps put dozens of writers in competition to create tracks for popular artists. Feedback is more scarce. Singles rule the game. Albums rarely even sell a million albums. At a semi-recent camp, one writer asked Pikin if she'd written anything of note. At the time, Jesse J's UK hit, Who You Are, had recently come out. The writer responded with shock, calling her a legend. What are you doing here? It's easy to look back at how things once were and dream. It was a lot more organic. You sat down and you connected, you touched the thing you were writing with, the piano, the guitar. Um... I'm glad I had that. I'm glad I came up with that. I'm not came up with it as an idea. I'm glad that I came of age yeah. in analog, in a more analog world. You know, I couldn't live without my iPhone or my computer. I mean, I don't know how, you know, but part of it is just because everybody has one. Mm -hmm. didn't have one and we slowed things down a little bit I wouldn't be at such a disadvantage but you have to Pikin recognizes that with time things change and young songwriters need to bring new things to the table so I'm trying to keep a sense of humor and I'm trying to work on things that matter I mean do I really want to get in the room with somebody who's 16 every day and, writing, and write songs about going to the club I don't. And I don't blame anybody for being young. I was young once, and there are different things that you care about when you're young. And there's a different way that music functions in your life when you're young. It's your crutch. You use it to heal your broken heart. I mean, I'm sort of content at this part of my life. I don't have all that angst. So... Maybe I'm not writing every day about going to the club and trying to hook up with somebody. And that once mattered to me. So, you know, I'm on this journey of, do I want to stay in? Who do I want to write with? What do I want to write about? That question drives her current momentum. You know, there's also something about having been around for a really long time where, and look, 
if I'm going to be in the room with an 18-year-old artist, is that 18-year-old artist going to be want to get in the room with someone who has children the same age as the artist? Or are they going to want to get in the room with hot 20-year-olds? You know, just the fact that I've been around for so long, somebody's going to say, oh, she's, she was around like in the, in the 90s or something. I mean, I want somebody current. So my longevity actually acts a little bit against me in many cases. People will think of me as, you know, has been. Um, and then again, there are young kids, there are young people who die to get in the room with me and they would, they would jump to get in the room with me. But Pykin continues to find her way, seeking songs with integrity. I wrote a song recently with Adina Menzel. I really love that. You know, she's a grown woman. And then again, I hear a song like Rihanna's Stay. And Rihanna is as current as you can get. Mm-hmm. I love that song. I would want to have a shot at writing that song for any kind of artist because that song is doesn't have an age to it. It's not a cheap song about, I don't want to say cheap song because I don't want to judge. It's not a song necessarily about just young love. It's a beautiful song about loving somebody and wanting them to stay. There's just a certain kind of song I would like to write, and I feel like there's not enough of those on the radio. And, so, and it's hard to get in with one of those songs. Pykin has written hundreds of songs and continues to produce new music, but her latest mission with Sona has become a driving force. Do I wish I could be writing more songs that get on the radio now? Yes, but, you know, like I said in my book, the business has changed so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, there always was more involved to having a hit song than just how remarkable the song was. There were always other considerations. But now, more than ever before in my lifetime, it's not as much about how remarkable a song is as it is about who you wrote it with, does the DJ have a name for himself, um, what your track record is, um, is it all in-house? Is mm-hmm. the, does the uh, A&R person at the label actually own a piece of the writer or a piece of the producer who worked on the song? It's just exhausting trying to um, navigate the terrain. But I feel like we're being very um, proactive and it can take decades to get this stuff turned around, but I feel like I'm doing important work, you know. Under current conditions, the diverse middle class of the profession will fade into memory. If you're going to build your fortune from songwriter songs, why should songwriters have to find another job, she says. A fitting quote from her book, Confessions of a Serial Songwriter, to close today's conversation. Shelley's going to keep fighting for it for the next generation of writers. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can get full interviews and exclusive content on patreon.com. You can download every episode there with minimal edits. www.patreon.com. 
You can buy Shelly Pikin's book on her website, ShellyPikin.com. That's S-H-E-L-L-Y-P-E-I-K-E-N.com. And on all major online retailers. Keep up to date with her on her amazing weekly newsletter and blog. The songs featured today were written by Pikin, including Almost Doesn't Count, Carry Your Heart, Bitch, What a Girl Wants, and Who You Are, which is playing right now. Today's interview will be up exclusively for Patreon supporters. If you're interested in becoming a patron of the show, it's for as little as a dollar a month. You can download all episodes there with minimal edits. That's www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash grittybirds. In news, Gritty Birds is celebrating its 50th episode later this month. We'll be celebrating with our first live recording Sunday, January 29th at Kelly's Olympian with a super special secret headliner in mini blinds. The event is sponsored by Revolver Studios and Vortex Music Magazine. This week, I also started a new challenge. I'll be listening to an album a day. This week, I'm highlighting Whitney Monge out of Seattle, Washington. She has a new album releasing this week on January 16th. I'll be sharing one of her tracks on socials in my newsletter this weekend. Thanks again for tuning into Gritty Birds, an X-Ray FM radio show and podcast. You can follow me on socials at G-R-I-T-T-Y-B-I-R-D-S. Gritty Birds is produced by myself, Jenny Renstotrup, with the amazing support of X-Ray FM. This week's board operator is Dan and Drips. The episode was transcribed by Christina Donaldson. See you again next week with Alaska band, The Modern Savage. Modern Savage.